Welcome to Maniacally Midwest, a true crime podcast. Listeners, it is me again, Katie. Thank you for joining us again this week on Maniacally Midwest. Um, I honestly didn't know. I know I told everyone that I was planning on releasing another episode, um, but then almost immediately following last week's release, I lost my voice. And while you can still kind of hear like remnants of that right now, the way it was like five days ago, six days ago, this is an improvement. I I can deal with this, but it was so bad. Anyways, I kept my word. I'm back. I'm ready to rock and roll. And I think that everyone who's super into true crime, this has been a talked about thing, kind of mentioned it. I didn't know when I mentioned it that there was going to be the wrapping up of this case, but It feels like the perfect time. I don't want to wait too long. And since I mentioned it, we're going to jump right in. Um, So we are doing a little recap of the Murdoch Murders, A Southern Scandal, which is the Netflix um, docuseries that came out a couple of weeks ago, a week ago. I'm not really, I don't remember when it exactly came out, but that's what we're going to be covering. So it's true, we're not in the Midwest this week. We are finding ourselves in South Carolina. So we are with a different kind of people, a different kind of vibe, but it's wild. So we are talking about the Murdoch family. I don't know how many of our listeners are listening in the South. Um, I did live for a time in the Chattanooga area, some of the times in the Tennessee part, some of the times in the Georgia part, which maybe doesn't really make that much sense to people who are not familiar with Chattanooga, but it kind of sits like right near the border of Georgia, Alabama, Tennessee. So we lived for a very short amount of time in the Georgia section that's like butted up right against to the Tennessee border and like the greater Chattanooga area. Um, So anyways, the Murdoch family is a pretty prominent family in South Carolina. Um, The family that we're going to be talking about, like the main family, which is going to be Alex Murdoch, his wife Maggie, and their two sons, Buster and Paul. Now the Murdoch family is super, super prominent in this area of South Carolina And part of the reason for their prominence is that, like, for almost a whole century, the Murdoch family acted as solicitors. And solicitors are essentially the prosecutors of the county. So while Alex Murdoch himself was not a solicitor, he actually, by his dad, was given a badge from the solicitor's office as a volunteer. So that kind of plays into some of the privileges that he saw. Um, based on his family's involvement with that office. Um, But essentially think of it as his family comes from a long line of prosecutors for their county. Um, 
And while I believe a thing that I saw kind of, I, I did bare minimum research on this. I watched the show, but then I like kind of saw bits and pieces as I was watching like little bits of the trial that, um, Alex Murdoch had only ever been involved in one criminal case with his dad as far as his like involvement of being a volunteer for the solicitor's office, which is not really that much. So it seems like this was just because it was his kid. He got a badge. And then even after his dad left, because that was a position that's elected, the next guy who was elected, I blanking on the name, he also granted him a badge from the solicitor's office. So that'll come into play in a little bit and kind of some of what I would classify an abuse of power from the family, specifically him, but I mean, generally speaking, their entire family. But we can jump into that in a little bit. So, okay, I'm not going to piece through the docuseries episode by episode because I feel like it kind of like jumps from one thing then backwards, then forwards, then backwards again. And I think that that can be confusing. It's super riveting. If you haven't watched it yet, watch it. It is batshit crazy. Excuse my language, but it is bonkers. Um, I, I think like another thing that plays into the wildness for me is kind of this like undertone of like Southern politeness, Southern hobnobbing or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we can kind of go back into that when we talk about the trial and kind of my thoughts about that whole ambiance and whatnot, but it is freaking nuts. So where we're going to start in this, I mean, who knows if where I'm saying we're starting is actually where things started for this family, because it is a sick and twisted web of just insanity. But where we're going to start is 2015. Okay, so in 2015, July 8th, 2015 to be specific, um, a 19-year-old boy, or man, I guess technically, uh, whatever. When I say boy, it's not out of disrespect, but like, realistically, that's just a baby. You know what I mean? Anyways, Stephen Smith, who was 19 at the time, he was found in the middle of a rural um, highway in Hampton County, South Carolina. So they find him in the middle of the road, and I guess it's kind of ruled a hit and run. But they also found him very close to where his car was then later discovered. And while it had been just kind of wrapped up as this must be a hit and run, it seemed like investigators were kind of questioning if this was actually a hit and run. Um, in the series, they talk about how it's bizarre that he had like loose fitting shoes on and those were still on his feet. And if anyone has ever seen hit and runs or just hits, you don't have the running part doesn't have to be involved. Um, a lot of the times when people are hit by a car and they don't even have to die this way, but if they're hit by a car, typically the force actually sends them out of their shoes and that's even more bizarre when someone has really loose fitting shoes. They kind of looked like those like skater shoes, kind of like Vans. I don't know in the docuseries if it was a reenactment or whatever, or if that was an actual crime photo, but that's kind of the way they played it is that the, that was a huge question. And part of the suspicion as to a not 
Okay. Part of the suspicion that they had was that they thought that Buster, which is the nickname for Alec Murdoch's oldest kid, um, his full name is Richard Alexander Murdoch Jr., um, but they called him Buster, and that's how he's referred to in the show, that they had a suspicion that he was somehow involved. And then they kind of delve into, um, at one point, that there was talk that Buster was gay and that him and this kid had some kind of romantic relationship and then that had to be not allowed to be public because like I said they're a prominent family South Carolina I mean it's 2015 I understand that's not like the 1800s or whatever but even today I I mean people get real worked up and real fired up about that I wish that there weren't as many cases of someone getting killed because they're gay or they're transgendered or whatever, but there are people that will respond explosively to someone coming out, finding out that someone is uh, transgendered or gay, and then there's some people that will kill to try and cover up the fact that they themselves are and they're trying to hide it. And I mean... Obviously, I don't personally know this family, but I don't think it is really that far-fetched to think that there might be a really prominent family in a really conservative area that would do something to hide that fact from everyone else. So that's kind of the jumping off point, at least as far as like chronically speaking. No, chronologically, not chronically. What the crap? (laughs) Okay, so to add to this entire situation, then there's um, Gloria Satterfield, who was their maid, maybe like also nanny, and um, she ends up falling at their house on February 2nd, 2018. So Gloria shows up to work um, on this day, And what ends up happening is they get a phone call to, well, not they get a phone call. They make a phone call to 911 that Gloria has fallen down uh, the front porch steps and she's unresponsive. Um, Their story is that she fell backwards uh, down those steps over the family dogs and she hit her head. Um, They're... There wasn't a point in time where her family members were able to talk to her after this fact um, when they visited her in the hospital because she passed away on February 26, 2018. So there were like, what, 24 days between when the accident happened and when she ultimately passed. Um, But there was no collecting information about what exactly happened and how. Um... The docuseries talks about one of um, Paul's, uh, actually, ex-girlfriend, I guess, says that, you know, how much Paul himself and all of his friends say how much he loved Gloria, that that was the person that he loved. He almost, like, looked at her as his mom and that Gloria had actually discovered um, bags of drugs taped under the bed 
and that she had told Paul, um, but she hadn't told Maggie because she was scared of what her response would be like, oh, you're snooping or whatever. And that shortly after this exchange of like, well, I found a bunch of drugs taped under his bed. Um, then suddenly she has this accident that ultimately kills her. Um, well, okay. So this happens. Uh, Alex tells, uh, her family that he's going to sue himself to get money for her, her estate because of her death on their property. And he tells her children that, but then that kind of is part of his downfall is this entire thing. So we'll kind of revisit that. But just so you know, he then says that he's going to sue himself and other people are aware of the fact that he says he's going to sue himself to get the money for her untimely death on their property due to their dogs, which I wouldn't even know that that's an option if I'm being really completely honest. Um, but I guess people took that at face value because he's a lawyer and actually his like main practice specialty, however you like want to call it. I'm not really sure how, how it's phrased exactly for, for lawyers, but his skill skill set was basically, um, he did a lot of like injury claims. So like, I think workers comp, car accidents, stuff like that, personal injury lawyer kind of a deal. Um, so I think that people trusted him because why wouldn't you? You're rich. You're probably good at your job. And he was working at his family's law firm at that point. Why, why would that be a weird thing? I wouldn't know to do that, but I also wouldn't necessarily be like, excuse me, what? Seems like you're doing something nice. You're going to take one for the team. So when he said that, he's what he means is he's going to sue his insurance company, his property insurance. Not like he's actually suing himself and he's going to lose money from his bank account. But that they're going to pull from insurance for this this death on his property. Yeah, so 2018. We got 2015, 2018 now. And then we're going to fast forward to 2019. Um, and 2019, I feel like... Okay, obviously, if they were doing this stuff in 2015, this wasn't the beginning of the end. But it seems like this is the thing that just really shone a spotlight on this family and possibly is the thing that kind of forced the dominoes to kind of start falling for them and people to start paying attention to how things were going. So in February, February 24th of 2019, um, Paul, his youngest son, who was then 19 at the time, ends up crashing their family boat into the Archer Creek, which is in Beaufort, 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 I'm not really sure, South Carolina, in a drunken boating accident. So all of the kids on the boat are injured, but one girl specifically, another 19-year-old, Mallory Beach, is missing. So in the docuseries, they kind of talk about everything leading up to this. They talk about Paul being kind of a huge drinker, almost to the point of alcoholism. I don't, well, see, this is a little bit of like the Wisconsin coming through where I'm like, almost maybe. No, actually, the stuff that they talked about sounded like he was definitely an alcoholic. 
He drank very frequently, and when he did drink, he had really severe personality changes come out, and it would scare people, and no one could talk him off the ledge when he was like this. So anyways, it's one of those nights they go to like an oyster bake, I want to say it was, maybe it was a clam one. Anyways, they go do this, they decide to go back on the boat, people are trying to convince Paul that they should just get a ride from someone and get the boat later. He's not having it. That's his boat. He's a tough man. Whatever. Okay, so they get on the boat. It's him. And then there's two other boys and then three girls. Um, And I don't, he's driving crazy whether or not he's trying to freak people out or it's just like he was too drunk to be operating a vehicle. I don't really know. I don't know if it was a little bit of like male ego, like, ooh, I'm going to do something crazy and scare you guys, like something like that. Or if it was really, he just was too hammered out of his mind. So he crashes the boat. Um, This one guy who was sitting with his girlfriend, he flies out of the boat. Some people fly out of the boat. Some people like slice open their face on like fishing pole um, rod mounts. Um, but it becomes clear that everyone is accounted for except for this girl, Mallory. And so people are freaking out. The boyfriend is, and and during the docuseries, they're interviewing all of the kids that are involved with the exception of Paul, um, and talking about it. And then at the hospital where all of these kids went immediately following because they were getting medical attention, Um, with the exception of Anthony, the boyfriend of the girl who was not accounted for. Um, They're all in the hospital getting medical treatment, including Paul and Alex Murdoch and his dad show up at the hospital and in the docuseries. And I mean, it doesn't really seem like it's that far-fetched or that far off base. I say that just because... um, I think that a lot of people know when you're watching these docuseries, it is for entertainment and a lot of the times they are slightly biased and there is a purpose. You're putting the story out from one side or another. I'm just clarifying that because we can like circle back to the end when we talk about the trial, but I just want to like be clear. I think that the bias definitely of this docuseries is not for the Murdochs, right? But so Alex Murdoch and his dad show up. Paul's, I don't know, kind of acting crazy because he's super, super drunk. The other kids are really injured. One of the girls was getting surgery. I don't remember what it was on. And um, apparently Alex Murdoch was wearing his solicitor's badge, uh, like hanging out of his pants pocket. And I don't really feel like that was an accident. I feel like that was a means to get past hospital staff because at that point, police or DNR, DNR was the one that was mainly handling this whole um, investigation of the accident because of it being on the water. They were working on getting statements from all of these kids and Alex and his dad kind of were telling some of the kids, like the other boy who was sitting next to Paul, they were telling him not to say anything. And from first glance, you might think, well, Alex is a lawyer. His dad's also a lawyer. Maybe they know something more because 
realistically speaking, if you know a lawyer or you have a lawyer, it is not out of the realm of possibility for them to say, hey, if cops ask you questions, don't say anything without legal representation. It's a bad idea. You don't know what they're thinking. You don't know what their end goal is. You could put yourself in hot water and find yourself in trouble when you are not supposed to be in trouble. But it, Alex and his dad were basically trying to get the other boy to be the fall guy for this crash instead of Paul. And at one point, Alex says to a nurse or someone that one of the girls is not supposed to be asked questions. He's her lawyer, but also he's her guardian. And he definitely was not. So he was kind of like mm, trying to manipulate the situation for whatever was best for him and his family, specifically Paul, since Paul kind of screwed the pooch on this one by this entire situation. So, okay. The accident is actually February 24th, 2019. And finally, on March 3rd, 2019, which is like a week, uh, yeah, a week-ish after this accident, her body is finally recovered, but her body is is recovered like five-ish miles away from where the accident was, which is horrifying. I know that the docuseries kind of talks about... um, how the boyfriend would just go there every single day and just had so much hope that she was just going to walk up and it was going to all be okay. And being a person watching this, you're like, oh my gosh, dude, there's no way you could have thought that was going to be the end of it. Because, well, you also kind of assume what the ending is when you're watching docuseries. But it is heartbreaking to think about all the situations when people are like waiting for loved ones to show up and people are like, that's not really likely. I can't imagine and I probably would do the exact same thing and have so much hope that I'm going to see that person and they're just going to walk up and be like, oops, I took a wrong turn over here. Um, Eventually she was found. Um, The Murdochs, they were one of very few people that were allowed to cross the... um, crime tape lines. They weren't letting anyone in. They would stop Mallory's family from being by where the accident happened while they were sending divers in, but they would let the Murdochs um, there, which I realized that if he has that badge, maybe he does have special privileges, but it doesn't really take much common sense to figure out. It doesn't matter if you have those privileges. I guess try to get those privileges to extend to the people who really need to be there, but it kind of does look like you're just showing up trying to cover your own family's ass. So, okay, she's found. They also are doing investigation on this entire thing. And while it, a lot of the kids had said that Paul was driving the boat. DNR was taking Alex Murdoch's word for it initially, it it appeared. But then eventually when it came down to it and they're looking at the the boat and the blood spatter and there's like this giant gash on this kid Connor's face, there is no other person who could have been driving it except for Paul. So accident happens February 24th. March 3rd is when Mallory's body is found. And then on April 18th, 2019, Paul Murdoch was charged with uh, three felony counts 
including one of boating under the influence causing death and then two counts of boating under the influence causing bodily injury. Um, and then also the Beach family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the Murdochs. But Paul ends up getting arraigned on May 6th and he pleads not guilty. But a thing that really pissed people off is he got, he never, when he was arrested, when he was arraigned, nothing did he show up in like the orange jumpsuit. He didn't have to do time in like county before getting this hearing for bond. He showed up clean, nice. He was still partying, having a great life. Meanwhile, there's all these other kids who are traumatized from this accident because they have extremely serious injuries, but they also know that they were basically there while their friend died and she like drowned or what. I mean, I don't, it's horrifying. And he ends up getting bond, uh, like $50,000 bond, which is insane. I mean, I understand that, it's not like intentional homicide. I get that. But I guess like I anticipate a judge to set bond for a kid who is known to be from an extremely wealthy and prominent family somewhat high so that the stakes are very high. Like I don't think that it really was that big of an ordeal for them to cover that $50,000 bond and he was just on personal reconnaissance. That's bullshit. So that's all 2019. That arraignment is wrapped up in May of 2019, just so we get a starting point. So not to be annoying and keep harping on this, but I feel like there's a lot of moving parts. And so it starts 2015 with Stephen Smith. 2018 is Gloria, the housekeeper. 2019 is the boating ap- accident with the death of Mallory Beach. And then in May of 2019, Paul is arraigned. Just so we're following this kind of in the timeline that it happens, because I know that it's confusing. Um, And if you watch the docuseries, I think that it kind of makes it a little bit more confusing with how they jump back and forth. Because when I first watched it, I didn't think that this was the order of it. I thought the order was Stephen Smith, then the boating accident, then Gloria. But so just so we're kind of clear on the timing of all of these and the years that they happen to, I think that that also helps a little bit. So now on June 7th, 2021, um, Alex Murdoch calls 911 and he says that his wife, Maggie, who was 52 at the time, and his son, Paul, who was 22 at the time, have been shot at their family's Moselle property. So... (laughs) initially like what he says is that he was going to visit his parents um and so he wasn't there when this happened but he came to find them um during the trial it will become clear that there's a video on paul's phone less than five minutes before the killing placing him at the scene of the crime so it's definitely very suspicious um um, Maggie and Paul were shot with two different guns, which is also pretty bizarre. We can kind of dive into that when we're discussing, um, the murders a little bit more, but yeah, they're both shot. 
kind of by where their dog kennels on the property were because they did have hunting dogs. Um, and so they're both dead. Paul had not gone through his trial process yet, even for the death of Mallory Beach. And now he's gone. He's dead. So 2015, 2018, 2019, and now in 2021, Paul and Maggie are dead. And that isn't even the end of this shit show. It gets more and more friggin' crazy. So I mentioned that the Murdochs have um, like a deep tie to the prosecutor's office or the solicitor's office in South Carolina and even past like their own counties, they had relationships with the surrounding ones, which isn't that bizarre. I think that like a lot of law enforcement kind of, there's the blue line, you know what I mean? And I don't think that this was anything different, but because of this, when this murder happened, and I don't know why it wasn't the same thing when Paul had his boating accident and he was the one responsible, but in this case, local law enforcements were like, uh, you know what, uh, we really shouldn't be involved. So SLED, what they talk about in the docuseries, which is the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, they start taking over this investigation because they're the states, they're not like just the localized law enforcement they start handling the investigation of Paul and Maggie. And then while they're doing this, less than a month after this shooting happens, um, at the end of June in 2021, they announce that they are going to reopen Stephen Smith's alleged hit and run case after agents had found evidence relating to the case while investigating Paul and Maggie's murder. So things kind of start snowballing. Um, in addition to that, then once we move a little bit further out into like late summer, like August of 2021, um, Duffy Stone, who was the top prosecutor, it, he would be the guy that took over after Alex's dad, um, left the office. He decides to recuse himself from the case, um, since he is so close to them. I mentioned that he actually had granted Alex Murdoch his solicitor's office badge and the volunteer position that he held with the solicitor's office. So to me, that's not like a sign of anything one way or another that is appropriate and should be how things are handled, that they don't have people who are connected to them, whether it's in the prosecutor's office, judges, um, law enforcement. And it doesn't necessarily, he's a lawyer, so he probably knows a lot of people or has had cases with a lot of judges, but has like personal connections to them where they kind of hobnob with someone, whatever, you know? So that all happens. The investigation is going on. So on September 3rd of 2021, Alex Murdoch is forced to resign, um, from the law firm that his family basically started or played a huge role in because they said that he was misappropriating millions of dollars of clients and firm funds. So the shit is really hitting the fan. Um, and one of the things in the docuseries that they talk about is a big red flag in this and maybe even the, the like, domino effect point was he had actually gotten, I think they said $4.3 million from suing himself for Gloria's death, but he did not ever notify the kids 
or the siblings or anyone. He sued himself and kept that money for himself. Um, and it became clear to the law firm that he was doing that multiple times, that this wasn't a once and done thing. This is something that he had been doing for years. So he has lost his prominent position. And now I believe I might be wrong, but I believe that the Murdoch family name isn't even on that law firm anymore because of his bullshit, if you will. Um, so that is a huge kick to the nards, to be honest, for the Murdoch family. And the next day, Alex Murdoch calls 911 and says that he's been shot in the head while he was trying to change his flat tire on his Mercedes Benz, um, on the side of the road in Hampton County. And two days following this, he then enters a rehab for opioid addiction. And a few days after that, South Carolina, uh, suspends his uh, license to practice law um, while he's being investigated for misusing funds. So the person that he is trying to say shot him in the head uh, (laughs) is Curtis Edward Smith. Um, And he asked him, and this would have been Alex Murdoch's former client. He asked him to shoot him and kill him so that his son Buster could collect $10 million in life insurance. Curtis says that he didn't conspire with Murdoch to shoot him. He claims, and he said this in an interview, that if I would have shot him, he'd be dead. Um, Smith was arrested and he was charged with assisted suicide, assault, battery of a high aggravated nature, pointing and presenting a firearm, insurance fraud, and conspiracy to commit insurance fraud. So this guy is saying that basically Alex Murdoch set him up, that that would be a good fall guy, but ultimately that Alex Murdoch shot himself in the head to try to do this. And I don't know if he chickened out at the last second or if he never really did intend to kill himself, but maybe then he would have some sympathy from people um, that... I don't know, his wife and son are killed and now someone attempts to kill him kind of a situation. Um, But so it ends up being that all of the pieces fall into place not very long after that. Um, In September of 2021, September 16th specifically, he was arrested and charged with fraud and conspiracy in the assisted suicide scheme. So he was charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report. And although he was allowed to return to rehab, he had to surrender his passport. And then, immediately following this, he is slapped with lawsuits. The Satterfields filed a lawsuit against him for defrauding them out of the settlement money. And on October 6th, Murdoch's law firm, also started to sue him to recover funds that he stole from clients um, and the firm themselves. So he is up shit creek without a paddle. And if I'm being really honest, watching this, when you see, we've all seen people who seem to have just the right ins with just the right people. And no matter what they do, they continue doing it and nothing happens to them. And so when you start seeing everything crumble around this guy who kind of 
had everything handed over to him and he hadn't bullied his way and there was never consequences. Listen, the docuseries felt like sweet, sweet justice. And let me tell you, as we move forward and then out of the docuseries and into real life, you're going to feel like sweet, sweet justice was served again. But he ends up being released from rehab in October of 2021 um, in Florida. And he was arrested immediately being released. And he was uh, charged with two felony counts of obtaining property by false pretenses. And he was jailed there. He was denied bond, which I don't think he's used to being denied bond. Um, So he agrees to pay the Satterfield family $4.3 million that he essentially stole from them. And then he's also indicted on 48 total criminal financial financial charges, which is rough. Um, then in June of 2022, Gloria Satterfield's body is going to be exhumed to figure out what exactly happened, um, which the family gave permission for the exhumation to happen, but this is so crappy that time goes by and then like, okay, so Stephen Smith, he's reopened in 2021 when that happened in 2015. Gloria, it happened in 2018 and they're in 2022 trying to go back. And I mean, I'm happy that they just don't leave them closed cases and just leave it alone, but it still kind of sucks that the due diligence that should have been done wasn't done in the first place and things were kind of pushed aside. At least I feel that way. All right. So July 12, 2022, Alex Murdoch is formally disbarred by South Carolina. Um, and at that point in time, he was facing a total of 84 criminal charges and 11 lawsuits, all related to the financial crimes that he had like done. And then in July of 2022, um, he was indicted for all of these financial things. 8.5 million is the amount at that point. And they had also added on four new charges of defrauding insurance companies. Um, in July, he was also charged with the death of Maggie and his son, Paul. And this, I think was big for a lot of reasons. I feel like he saw the writing on the walls that he was kind of screwed as far as the financial stuff had gone um, on with. And they have in the docuseries some of the phone calls between Buster and himself from his prison calls, which I don't really know why. This is sloppy. Maybe this is proof that he is not a criminal lawyer, that he is a personal injury lawyer, but I even feel like they know you mind your P's and Q's because people can record stuff. Um, you know, Buster is caught with his uncle being in Las Vegas gambling money and Alex is just, his mind is completely blown that people are watching him that much. And I mean, realistically, I think when you know that that much money has been stolen from people or misappropriated you have to question are they trying to get rid of more before the Pied Piper comes in and tries to collect that's what I would kind of question Um, and he also mentions the Stephen Smith thing he just is an idiot Um, 
And the end of the Netflix series basically is him asking Buster, is Netflix doing something on us? And I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know. I want to imagine that from his mindset, this is the worst thing that could happen. He doesn't want attention. Whereas some of the true crime that we covered, that is the main motive is to be like notorious, to be infamous for being this terrible person. And I don't feel like my assessment of this whole thing is that that's what Alex Murdoch craved. I think that he wanted to fly under the radar and do what he wanted to do. And no one would be able to stop him because he was a Murdoch. Why, why should they stop him? So I do think that it was not so much he's excited there's going to be a series because that just doesn't seem like something that old South Carolina money would really want, you know? And I would imagine that he would be concerned about that because family members are going to be concerned about that. They don't want people poking around in their business, you know? Okay, so July of 2022 is when he is indicted for their murder. And at the beginning of this year, his murder trial begins. It began at the end of January. And that's why I kind of said when I mentioned it last time, I knew the trial that was going on. I saw like updates. I would kind of like watch clips. Um, I wanted to be more into it, but I realized when I got super sucked into the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial, I think like mentally speaking, it's a really unhealthy place for me to be like, oh my God, it's on. Shut up, shut up. And I'm like carrying the phone around. I remember like doing gardening work outside and I'm like trying to listen to like the depositions and pay attention to this stuff um, that I just felt like, oh, okay, every few days I would check a recap and see what's going on, you know, and I didn't think that it would get wrapped up so quickly if I'm being honest. Um, so during the trial, the prosecutors revealed new evidence like a raincoat that was covered in gunshot residue that was recovered from Murdoch's mom's house bullet casings that were found at the crime scene. Um, it just, I, I don't know. It, there was a lot going on. I think another thing that I need to mention is that in the end of January of this year also, the judge did approve a wrongful death lawsuit settlement between the Murdochs and the victims of the boat crash. So, I don't think that it was just Mallory's family that started suing them. I think the other ones jumped on too, but I'm not sure which ones exactly. Um, in February, the evidence was allowed into the case of all of his financial crimes, I think to add to the fact that he's a shithead, which makes sense. Um, and I think also it kind of contributes to the fact that people are saying this was a man who was like losing his shit. Everything was going wrong all at once. Everything just started going to hell in a handbasket. And he didn't know where to go, what to do, whatever. I mean, I think that it also kind of plays into the fact that he had this opioid addiction. And I think then it does grant some merit and you can kind of understand why people are looking into reinvestigating Gloria's murder when they're saying that, oh, she found these and then she ends up dying. He had been doing a lot of opioids for a long time. And I think that he tries to play it off like he had spent almost all of the money that he stole from people doing the drugs is like kind of the vibe that I got. But 
that's insanity. There's no way in hell. There's no way that he's still alive if that's the case. But I, I don't know. I don't honestly know why he would have done this, but I'll give you like a recap of like kind of my perspective on this. He chose last week, I think it was, to go on the stand during his trial. And I was baffled. He is a lawyer. And I feel like it's a thing that we've talked about in previous cases. It is bananas, B-A-N-A-N-A-S, for any lawyer to think that they should get up on the stand and testify. Um, It is a really big gamble. And first of all, I don't think that he has the personality that would captivate a jury because his trial was a jury trial. It wasn't a bench trial. That was just a judge, right? Um, You're really rolling the dice that you as a human being is going to be someone that the jury is going to like. And even though the jury is not supposed to make decisions based on your personality, it is something that people can't look past. So if you seem like you're a shithead and you come across as a shithead, more than likely they're going to have a much easier time convicting you based on just your general demeanor and the way you come across, which is why usually people avoid testifying for themselves and they listen to their legal advice and they do not testify for themselves. But no, he got on the stand. Um, he started calling his son Papa and it really irritated me. And maybe that was his lifelong nickname and it was nothing that ever came up. But like from where I was sitting, it really seemed insincere. And like he was trying to play up this deep love for his family with this little like kitty nickname for his son who had been killed and who he is on trial for killing. Um, that really kind of got under my skin. Um, and then there was also a point in the trial where I am not 100% sure Was it a giant thing of snot or was it a giant thing of spit? I couldn't tell if the source of the fluid from his body was his mouth or his nose. (coughs) Excuse me. But there was one point where he's talking and he's supposed to be getting emotional, I guess. And he lets either a giant string of spit come out of his mouth and kind of hang there or a giant thing of snot. He takes a second and then he wipes it up. And I remember talking to Mirza and saying like, I'm just not buying that. This guy is prominent Southern family. And the people that I know from the South, okay, there's like rednecks, you know, like, oh, let's go mud and like that kind of stuff. There's those people. And then there's like debutante ball people. You know what I mean? And he strikes me as he comes from the debutante ball type people, like Southern hospitality and like very prim and proper. And there's just no way in hell that a Southern person of that uh, pedigree is going to sit there and let either a string of snot or a string of spit just hang out of there to like whatever. I It just, it felt like he was really playing it up to the jury And I mean, I was watching it the whole time. And I think that uh, we kind of had divided camps in my household. Mirza was like, I don't know. 
Maybe because he ends up recanting that he wasn't at the scene. He ends up saying, I was so scared. You know, I had my opioid addiction and I just always thought that the police were against me, which is really bizarre, especially when you consider the fact that he had such close ties to the police and he never had a problem with the police in his area because he would just always leave the badge on his dashboard or his cup holder. So he never really got in trouble because they'd see that and they'd be like, oh, one of our own, I'll leave him alone, right? He says all this stuff and I think that he really thought, okay, if I'm telling the truth now or I say that I am, now all these people are going to be like, this seems really genuine. And why would he tell the truth now? Because it makes him look like a liar and I wasn't really buying it. The defense kind of tried to spin it as he, he, it wasn't him who did it. They were killed with two guns. It must have been two people that came to kill Maggie and Paul. And probably it had something to do with one of the other things going on. If it's like the boating stuff or like the financial things, right? Something like that. But I mean, I guess that also falls to crap when he's saying that he was there. So why didn't they kill him? The guy who's like kind of, I mean, if it's financial stuff. Why didn't they kill him instead of Maggie and Paul? Or why didn't they just kill Paul? Why didn't why did Alex come out of this unscathed? That doesn't really make sense. Well, so anyways, last week, um, on the third, I think it was, let me double check. No, March second, he was found guilty of murdering Paul and Maggie. Uh, the jury deliberated for a super short time. I think it was two hours or three hours. That is such a short amount of time. And I mean, I've never actually had to serve on a jury, but a lot of the times when juries are deliberating, I mean, I just mentioned the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. That was not two or three hours. And that was not for a murder. if, If a jury comes back relatively quickly, which this sounds so stupid to say because I said it to Mears and he looked at me like I was an idiot. I was like, ooh, it's either really good news or really bad news for him. And then he's like, okay, well, of course. What's the alternative medium news? And I'm like, okay, fair enough. But I would say if I'm the person who's on trial, I'd be sweating a lot more for them to come back super, super fast. It doesn't even matter if I think it was a slam dunk on my end, a fast deliberation, and then coming back, I'd be sweating bullets. He's found guilty. Um, He ends up getting sentenced to two life sentences without parole. So that's a done deal. I don't know what else is going to happen with all of these financial things. I don't know if something else is going to come out about Gloria, about um, Stephen Smith. But that's kind of where things are at. So if you haven't watched it yet, check out uh, that on Netflix. I believe Discovery Plus at one point used to have a docuseries about it. I'm almost positive since this is getting a lot of hype on Netflix, um, especially with the trial wrapping up and all of the publicity around it, that if Discovery Plus cut that uh, docuseries, they're bringing it back. Um And they kind of delve, I think it was a little bit more into the financial side of things. They talk about how he really screwed people out of their like personal injury paychecks. So you kind of get deeper into that financial side of things. But it's crazy. 
I mean, uh, you hate saying that like you love to see him finally fall down, especially when there was so much collateral damage coming to that point that you kind of wish like, couldn't they have caught his like financial misgivings, which were probably going on for a real, real long time, even prior to the Stephen Smith kid. And then none of this would have happened. Yeah, but it did happen. And at least now he's having to answer for it. And it just feels, and maybe this is where Mirza tells me I'm a woke feminist, which I very adamantly argue against because I feel like I'm like equal opportunities. I don't like anyone. That's not a man or woman thing. I don't trust anyone. Nobody. Uh-uh. I hate everyone equally, right? Perfect. But you just love to see like a rich white man have to pay for the crap that they did because it doesn't always happen that way. It seems like there's a lot of other people who get really like hung out to dry for things that they maybe did, maybe didn't do. But when it comes to a white man with money, it seems like a lot of times they kind of skate on this. So it feels like sweet, sweet revenge. But anyways, that's all I've got for you. This was a lot longer than I intended, and I can already feel my voice going to crap. So I'm going to wrap it up. Um, I just want to add in, um, in case someone is missing my weather report, it was 50 degrees and sunny here today. It was beautiful. It was awesome. I was going to take my lovely children on a nice walk in the sunshine, and about two minutes into it, All hell was breaking loose. The dog was pooping on someone's yard. My oldest didn't bring the bags, even though she insisted that we bring him. We had to go back. The youngest threw her snack bag of life cereal into the yard and then started screaming. She slapped me in the face. So we came back. But we made it out into the sweet sunshine for a few minutes before we ran back to our house, and I said, I'm never bringing these animals anywhere outside again. So if you guys got some recommendations for some leashes for some two-year-olds, it'd be much appreciated, because I honestly don't know how I'm going to go anywhere in public with her. She will not hold my hand. She's a slapper. It's a whole thing, okay? So good vibes, prayers, whatever you can do. Uh, Start a GoFundMe for some mental health help, because... She's going to be the one that breaks me 100% for sure, for sure. But that's all I've got for you this week. I'll check you guys later. Love ya. Bye.